those little details with those questions that you ask, whether that be personal or professional in terms of how, how the roles work together and how to best um, collaborate with each other is going to make the difference on someone really, really appreciating you or someone disliking you to the point of not promoting you within the organization or sponsoring your promotion or just being completely ignored and not even knowing you exist because it's not anyone's responsibility to know you. It's your responsibility to be known. Welcome back to the Career Therapy Podcast, where we explore the hidden side of modern work, help you turn procrastination into job search motivation, and teach you how to stress less, earn more, and change careers with confidence. My name is Martin McGovern, founder and lead coach at Career Therapy, and I'm excited to introduce our guest today. Please welcome Tegan Bartos to the podcast. Tegan is a resume writer, LinkedIn optimizer, certified career management coach, and founder of Jolt Your Career. She helps professionals land their perfect fit job quickly and make more money than ever before. In today's episode, we go beyond the job search and talk about what to do once you land that perfect role. So many people drop the ball in the first 30, 60, and 90 days in their new role. So we dig in and discuss how to connect with coworkers, how to manage up with your boss, and how to set yourself up for that next promotion six months or a year down the line. Thank you for tuning in and supporting the Career Therapy Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review on iTunes in order to feed the algorithm and share these conversations with more folks like you. Now grab a cup of coffee or tea and settle in for our conversation with Tegan. So I know we were chatting back and forth via email um, about different topics, and you said you were chatting with uh, a number of folks who have landed roles and now are trying to figure out like how do you crush it? in your first like, you know, 30, 60, 90 days. So I'm super excited to dive into that topic because uh, it's not really one we've, we've discussed on the podcast before. It's all how to get the job. So um, <laughs> where are some of your clients landing roles and uh, what sort of positions are they, are they ending up in? Yeah, so I work with a variety of job seekers. And so most recently, you know how like there's a bell curve when it comes to landing jobs. Most recently, I had a client land at Salesforce and it was incredible because she spent over a decade in banking and is a super high performer there and decided like I'm ready for my next change. And before I even had her resume written, she had an interview lined up from wow. networking and it's been three weeks and got a job offer and her pick of where she gets to land in the department, which I think is so cool. Um, another client most recently landed at General Motors. Um, she's an immigrant and was working contract job to contract job and finally landed her first full-time role. So like no more having to worry about when is this contract going to end and uh, you know, the scary things when it comes to visas and whatnot. So um, I'm really excited for those two ladies in particular. And then I've got um, a couple of clients, you know, the thing organizations are just huge. I work with a lot yeah. of people in HR and recruiting. And so um, a lot of people are going to those organizations just for the prestige of it. But um, being here in Chicagoland, uh, the Chicagoland area, you're, 
yeah, we're right yep, here. We're so all Chicago here. here on the North Shore. It's, you know, the Crafts, the Walgreens, the Baxter, the um, Abbott, all of those big name companies that the North Shore crew wants to be at. So that's it's awesome. Been, it's, it's been busy. What about for you? Oh, very similar. Yeah. A lot of folks who are just, you know, um, the areas that I focus on are very much like project management, marketing, and things like that. So, you know, Chicago is just a hotbed for all those types of roles. But um, when it comes to that transition, all right, so they, they negotiate the offer, they get the role they want, and now it's yep. time to start. Uh, you know, most people think that that's when the anxiety ends, right? Oh, uh, the job <laughs> search is this horrible, anxious process. And then once I get to the end of it, it's all hunky-dory and roses, right? But as we know, that's really just when the anxiety begins, because now you're trading the job search stressors for having a job stressor. So what are some of the things that you're seeing pop up in people's minds as they kind of slowly come to the realization that, oh my gosh, this is real? Well, it depends. If they're transitioning into a new industry, it can be really overwhelming to kind of get grounding on okay, this is also new, where if it's a smooth transition, maybe like a lateral move or um, a level up type of move within the same industry, maybe just like a competitor or something like that, it's more so how do I make sure I have a good first impression? And in either instances, something that I see a lot is people are so eager to make that good first impression, they end up burning bridges as a new employee because they didn't take the time to get to understand the company's culture, the existing people on the team who maybe wanted that role that they're now in and bringing their ideas to, um, and understanding the dynamics of certain elements that are already at play that kind of as a newcomer, you need to be respectful of. Maybe it is your job to come in and change it, um, but you're not going to be able to make any type of change unless you, you know, win the trust in the hearts of the individuals that you're expecting to change. That's so interesting, especially that build trust piece, right? Because that's what we're sort of practicing throughout the entire job search as well, which is like, how do I gain people's trust quickly? How do I get to understand people? How do I get to know people? And so what are maybe some of the fundamental differences of gaining trust in a job search process and gaining trust in, in a newly employed process? So I think in the job search process, it's a lot about talking about things you've done in the past, you know, mm-hmm. sticking to those numbers and, um, you know, proving that you were able to have value in your previous organizations and reach the goals that you were expected to reach. Where when you're coming into a new organization, you build trust by listening and doing less talking. And so there's a time for you to uh, express your ideas and opinions and things of that nature. But when you first start off at an organization, I have found that the people who end up having the most successful transitions are the people who take the time to introduce themselves to everyone, whether that be, you know, the cashier in the cafeteria or, you know, the CEO and everybody in between, right? And the people who take the time to set up one-on-ones. And so really sitting down and having thoughtful questions laid out. And so one thing I advise my clients to do is 
get an org chart, figure out who you want to talk to, who your role might interact with or impact, set up one-on-ones. And when you set up the one-on-one, do a brief introduction of yourself. So that way, the small talk about you can be kind of a little bit more out of the way. And then once you get in there, you can ask the strategic questions that you have to build that relationship. So that person knows that you're willing to hear them out to really want to get an understanding of what the the organization is about or their role is about. And then after that, once you've kind of gotten a lay of the land, then start um, opening up to, hey, I, that is really interesting how you do that. How has this ever been considered or whatever the appropriate approach might be depending on the situation? Yeah, it's, it's definitely important to get a sense of who you're talking to before coming in too hot, right? Because we always hear those horror stories. Have you had anyone who just kind of came in too, too forceful or have you seen that in your past roles and in your career? Personally, yes, absolutely. You know, um, I, in addition to working with individual clients, I also work with organizations. And so most recently I wrote curriculum for an organization and I made a complete overhaul of things that they've done in the past. And with it being a remote setting, you don't know who has what buy-in, what reservations. And so when you're writing a curriculum and the person who's supposed to teach that curriculum has no idea, uh, no training, no background in what the in my case, what the government is now expecting her to teach, that can be really upsetting and cause a lot of issues within the department. And so um, the the remote aspect of it, you know, me having only worked with the higher ups and not the people who are actually going to be doing the work, it, it can it can make things really tricky. Where if you actually have the opportunity to speak to individuals at the organization and understand the different nuances it's it's easier right like if you're in person it's easier but when you're remote and you don't get the opportunity to meet anybody and everybody's so bogged down with zoom anyways it's like one more one-on-one it's just like I'm sorry I don't have time for that right now I'll catch you in a few weeks and a few weeks turn into a few months and by then you've missed the gap on those hey I'm new can we can like we meet (laughs) time frame Right. Yeah, it is a it is a short window. So what happens when if you do get that person who's like, ah, I'm really busy right now, and they keep putting it off, keep putting it off? Do you keep hounding them? Do you let them go? What What do you recommend people do? I think you kind of have to feel it out. You know, um, you know, people. It's not that they don't have time. It's that they're prioritizing their time and they're choosing not to prioritize you. So I think at this point, if you're a new employee and if you approach it properly. Um, by saying, uh, you know, I'm new to the organization. I understand our departments frequently collaborate on different things. I, you know, would love to, um, you know, briefly chat with you just to kind of get an uh, understanding of you and how things work. That would be great. People are going to be more open to it, uh, depending on how you, your messaging. Now, if you have an amazing message and they still say no, that might be more of a reflection of them and, and not you. And you, you take note of that, right? Mm-hmm. Have you ever had that, that experience before? I've had clients that have experienced that. I mean, there's always pushback. Whenever you're telling someone to, to meet people, there's always pushback, unless they're a massive extrovert, in which case it's yeah. more of like refining their message because they're probably coming in too hot. 
Um, but that is kind of the thing, right? It's like, you've just gone through this whole job search process. You just spent all this time trying to network and meet people. And, and now you have the job. It, it almost feels like this is when people want to take a break. They're like, I went through this whole thing. I'm exhausted. I like the ramp up period to the job where I don't have a ton of responsibilities yet. And I'm just learning, like, this might be the time where I can just relax for a second. But that's, I mean, as we keep saying to people, like, that's not the time to relax. That's the time to build a foundation, right? Um, What are some of the other sorts of pushback you get? Is it, do people just worry about the Zoom stuff? Do people worry about like who to reach out to? Am I going to step on any toes if I reach out to a manager or something like that? So as far as clients having pushback for this tip, honestly, I don't get much pushback from my clients at all on it. Um, I typically am working with mid to senior level leaders and they understand that that's part of it. You have to you have to know who you're working with. You, you, you've got to immediately come in and collaborate. It's the, at this level, the expectation is that you are going to hit the ground running. And so, yes, there's a little bit of a learning curve when you first get there, but for the most part, organizations want results and they're, they hired you to immediately get them from you. Granted, there is you know about a 90-day courtesy, but for the most part, organizations, whether they say it or not, Within 30 days, the expectation is that you're going to be having certain things down by then. Right. And right. so, um, it, so for even with my introverted clients, setting up the one on ones, it's less intimidating because it's more of an intimate setting where my extroverts. Um, they typically are the ones that need a little bit more coaching because they do come in a little bit hot. Um, and, and encouraging them to say, I understand you have a lot of great ideas, but if you want these great ideas to work at this organization, we have to earn that trust first to be able to get that, um, to really be successful in this role. And then all of my clients that I work with, because we go through that career fit process before, you know, even applying before starting to look at target companies and things of that they know, okay, this is where I'm at and this is where I want to go. So if you're going into an organization in the role that you got hired in, but kind of have ideas within the next two to five years, I want to move into this type of role or that type of role and move up a level or whatever, then this is the time to start building those connections and start getting that sponsorship and that mentorship from certain individuals, because your first impression can be the difference of if a leader ignores you moving forward or is going to take you under your wing. And that's what we want. We want to be taken under people's wings and be mentored so we can be successful not only in our current role, but start to be mentored for the next opportunity or for stretch assignments so we can grow and learn. And that's, I think, one of the things that as a coach, I I wish people would understand more is that you're not just doing these things for the immediate goal. You're not just learning these skills in order to land the next job. You're doing it in order to prep yourself for a long career, right? This is a long game, not just a short game. And so um, it's kind of funny because you sort of work with the group that I don't work with so much. I work with like (laughs) the people just breaking in. And then I work with the people who have been in the role for a long time and want to move up, but haven't done this like intermediate step that you work with people on. So it's kind of interesting um, 
where I sort of like see, I'm sort of seeing the people who are like, I've been in this role two, three years, and now I want a promotion or I want to move up. But now what do I do? How do I build these connections? And I'm like, well, I mean, obviously the best time to have planted a tree, right? The old saying is like five years ago, the second best time is right now. So let's do it. Um, And so the process is very similar though, right? It's identify who is in the organization, look at the org chart, figure out what teams you want to be on, figure out, you know, strategically where you'd want to move and then start talking to those people. And the question always becomes like, how, how do I talk to these people? Like, uh, do I make it like low key? Do I make it very professional? Do I make it about me? Do I make it about them? Do I make it about the role? Do I make it about the business? Like, what are the topics that typically come up in, or that you encourage people to sort of lean into in their conversations once they're in the meetings? I think that it's really important to prep for those meetings before they even begin. And so reaching out to someone just to reach out to someone is a waste of their time and nobody's got time to be wasted. So being really thoughtful and coming in with, you know, three to five questions, obviously people like to talk about themselves. So if it's your first time meeting someone, you know, ask them, you know, a little bit about themselves and how um, the departments collaborate with each other and, you know, potentially it sounds cheesy, but what does success look like? How can I best help support you? So, you know, say, for example, uh, since you say you sometimes work with earlier career, say it's a paralegal who's working with an attorney, right? How do you like your schedule to be organized? How do you like feedback to be given? Do you want confirmations of received every single time you send an email or is that going to bog up your email? Those little details about people's personal preferences um, will make a difference on how they enjoy working with you and what you will be tapped for in the future. And so regardless of the industry or the level, the same applies, figuring out how people want to be treated is important and little touches. Like you, you can even ask a question, um, you know, you can throw in there something personal, like in some of the conversations that have come up personally with me in my past is I show dogs and, for some reason, pets kind of always open things up. I've got a girlfriend who loves to bake and she always, you know, says, oh, well, I love to bake. You know, what's your favorite treat? So at the holiday party, you know, I can keep it in mind and she'll, you know, take down these notes about different people and store it someplace. So that way, when it comes time to that person getting a promotion, if they said that they liked brownies, bring in some brownies to congratulate them. And that those little details with those questions that you ask, um, whether that be personal or professional in terms of how how the roles work together and how to best um, collaborate with each other is going to make the difference on someone really, really appreciating you or someone disliking you to the point of not promoting you within the organization or sponsoring your promotion or just being completely ignored and not even knowing you exist because it's not anyone's responsibility to know you it's your responsibility to be known and so that takes uh, intentional thought and so um, coming prepared with questions that are related to making your work more meaningful, more successful, more collaborative 
it is important. And so it's kind of hard to say what specific questions because everybody's roles are so different. Yeah. What what do you what do you tell people? Um, it, it is kind of a combination of the things that you've been saying. I think making it somewhat personal um, and like throwing out those details. I love the example of the baking. Um, I, I like wish I baked like that would be such a great. <laughs> so I got to pick up new skills because um, it is one of those things like that's that long term like team building thinking and mindset, right? Yeah. And and it's really fascinating how like, I think some people get really worked up in their head or they're just like so focused on themselves or they're so worried about how they look that they forget that it's not really about you at the end of the day. It's about how the team gels together, right? Yeah. And so, um, you know, what I tend to see is folks will get really hyper-focused on like wanting to tell their story and their background and a lot about where they're coming from and where they've worked. Uh, one of the comments that I got from someone I'm working with, she goes, you know, I used to work at this company and this company, and I was chatting with one of like the VPs and they were like, I didn't know you worked at all these great companies. And she's like, well, how do I make sure that everyone knows that I worked at these great companies? And I was like, yeah. that's a fine line, right? Like if you just like try to jam it into every conversation, then you're like that person's like, I used to work at, Bl at Facebook or whatever, yeah. right? Um, I'm it, an exer at this company. Well, then why did you leave? <laughs> <laughs> right. You got it in your like headline on LinkedIn so that everyone knows that you worked at Google 10 years ago. And like, <laughs> And so you kind of get these weird situations where I, I try to um, encourage people to sort of read the room, um, yeah. have some, like know your story, know what parts of your past are good to reference and maybe not good to reference. Um, mm -hmm. Have a curiosity about the other person's work and where the business is going overall and lean yep. into those things. Um, like if I remember back to um, some of the best interviews I've ever had or conversations I've had in like the workforce, there's always been like a combination of excitement about the industry and something interesting about each other. Um, so yeah. I might've told this story on the podcast before, but like one of my first interviews in college, I had a broken thumb from skiing. And the person that I interviewed with was a huge skier. I didn't know much nice. about skiing, but he just talked about skiing the, almost the whole interview. And like, <laughs> it was a great conversation. I would just kind of try to keep up. And, and that kind of stuff were like, you know, putting that I was in a ska band on my resume back in the day, you know, years, years, years ago, <laughs> like it just led to memorable things that people could like bring up again at the, oh, yep. in the holiday party, how's your band doing and stuff like that. Obviously it's like entry level stuff, but um, there's different levels of that throughout your career, yeah. right? Like what organizations are you part of or do you bake mm -hmm. or, you know, different things that might be interesting. Where are the kids going to college? <laughs> exactly. And like this small talk stuff, because yep. I, I definitely went through a phase in my career where I kind of rallied against small talk because I was in that whole startup, you know, scene and everyone was like, no, we're all about the deep conversations. It's like, yeah, that's cool too. But, um, I think sometimes we undervalue small talk and how, you know, getting comfortable in a convert in like a situation, like it's okay to reference the weather. It's okay to reference the city that you're in. It's okay to reference these things to get things moving so that you can get to the meat and potatoes of things. Right. Cause it's hard for people to just go 
sometimes. Yep. And so, you know, there might be some warming up or buttering up or, or different things like that. It, it's always good to like, go like, Hey, your team seems to be doing some really cool stuff and mention a few things that maybe you've read. Um, but yeah, I mean, it really is. I try to help people improvise a little bit and read the room a little bit, because if you're too formulaic, then you're not listening. Right. And this kind of comes exactly. from the, Exactly. And so when yeah. you sort of are talking with people and working with people, maybe it's the extroverts really that struggle with the listening piece. What, what have you seen? So I think listening in general is just difficult because we're so trained to think when a teacher's writing a problem on the board, we're supposed to be thinking about how to solve the problem. You know, we're always taught and it's been reinforced and brainwashed and that's not in like a creepy way but it's just our society how our society works how we're raised is like you know how are you going to respond how are you going to solve this and you know be quick and sometimes it's not always about being quick sometimes it's about being thoughtful and I think as society evolves and we're starting to see more trends and that that EQ is really starting to matter and um, you know, appreciating people as people, not just, oh, this is your department and this is your department. Everyone you can say hello, good morning to um, if you're physically going into work, um, you know, on Slack channels or teams and things like that. You can you can do the same thing like, hey, good morning, crew, uh, you know, um, it's something simple like that. Just a pleasantry. It, pleasantries are something that I've heard a lot of people, a lot of clients that I've worked with have said, yeah, you know, people, they just aren't very nice. Like nobody even says hello or, you know, nobody knows my kids' names or when my parent passed away, they're like, okay, well, I need this report. So, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, make sure it's turned in by the end of the day. It's like, I'm, I'm burying my father. So I think the report's not going to happen. <laughs> so um, I think that, First of all, researching organizations before you choose to apply there is going to be really important about the type of culture you end up at. And so not that you need to be a cultural fit. You can be a cultural ad. You know, you can have your own uniqueness to it. But do you want to be in that type of cutthroat environment that some organizations are known for and some people absolutely thrive in that that may be some of our listeners, they really want that competitive environment. And some people more so want an environment where it's more collaborative. And these are things that you can research ahead of time. And then depending on everybody's unique personality is how you would approach situations. I think there's the fundamentals of, you know, listen, come prepared and follow up. So that may be, you know, after you have a one-on-one -on -one with somebody, then connect with them on LinkedIn, sending them a message. Thanks so much for our one-on-one, -on -one, really appreciate it. And then when they accept your connection request, endorsing them for their skills. So those little foundational things, those extra touches, you know, maybe, maybe someone in the organization taught you how to use a certain software that you haven't used before. Well, then the next day, you know, while you're mentioned, you know, while they're teaching you, ask them, you know, do you like tea or coffee or, you know, what's your go-to um, beverage? And then they tell you, and then the next day you bring it in and on a little post-it note, say like, you know, thank you for teaching me how to, you know, do this. Those little touches are going to make people like and trust you. And that's what it's about 
when you when you land at an organization, you want people to like and trust you. Now, you don't have to be everybody's best friend, but there has to be respect there. And that that professional respect uh, goes a long way because you don't necessarily have to like a person to work with them, but you have to collaborate to get the job done. Otherwise, somebody's going to be leaving soon. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you don't want it to be you. You just went through that (laughs) terrible job search. Exactly. Right. I think it's, it's fun that you mentioned all these things because I, I know Ted Lasso is kind of blowing up right now in a lot of uh, circles and it's being talked about a lot on LinkedIn because the, it's sort of like a masterclass in how to get people who don't like you to at least like put up with you. Um, Cause like he goes in, if anyone hasn't seen it, it's about a soccer coach, uh, a football coach who goes to uh, I think England and is like teaching a soccer or coaching a soccer team. And basically like he comes in with these like biscuits every morning for the manager of the whole team. And she's like, where are you getting these? And she's like, goes on like a whole search to like find out where these biscuits are from. And for like episodes and episodes, she can't figure it out. And they're like taste testing all these biscuits. And it turns out he's like making them at home every night. And like, it's one of those things where like, you kind of kill him with kindness in a way. And obviously that that's that one person's, you know, sort of style. But, and and I want to be very clear as we're talking about all these things, these are ideas of where to start, right? These aren't, prescriptions right if you're not a baker don't go try and bake right like that's not going (laughs) to be the best thing ever you're going to give someone burnt brownies but (laughs) you kind of have to find i would still eat them (laughs) of course i mean burnt burnt brownies are amazing (laughs) but it's like you have to sort of find your style and the figure out what the company's style is right like i'm a contractor so you know it's sort of different um when i start a new role I still have to meet people. I still have to get to know people, but there is sort of a little bit more of like an independent assumption. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, But I think one thing that sort of goes across the board and we can kind of move past like how to get to know a lot of people, the organization and and focus more on your role. How do you crush it in your role? Um, Everyone should have some sort of scheduled one-on-one with their manager in my mind. Um, And, and I think like, that doesn't always get put on the calendar. And what ends up happening is months go by and then you find out you're doing the job wrong. Have you sort of, what do you recommend people do or like how often do they check in? And it's so difficult because when clients come to me like this, it's typically because they lost their job. Mm -hmm. And they're like, I don't know where I went wrong. And I was like, okay, you know, let's, let's think back. Like, you know, what does your job description say? During your one-on-ones, what were these continuing um, conversations? And most times people are saying, I didn't have one-on-ones. The the person you should be spending the most time with is your immediate team. Yeah, you need to know other people in the organization, but your immediate team, you have to make sure that you're collaborating and contributing in a way so you can keep that job. And so having one-on-ones with your manager, that that's what managers or leaders, whatever you want to call them are for. They are there to make sure that you know what to do and 
you know, oftentimes there isn't a lot of training when you get into a new role, but if you don't know how to do something, then you have to be the one to make sure it happens because nobody else is going to make sure it happens for you. So those one-on-ones are so important, you know, within the first week, you should definitely be having a one-on-one more than just like, oh, well, welcome to our organization. Here's a donut. No, like, okay, let's look at what the role is. Um, I'm pretty sure you just posted like a 30, 60, 90 day to get the job. Well then, right? Uh, Maybe. I don't know. (laughs) Sometimes these posts come back around. Okay. So I, I, it was for sure on your YouTube. I don't know. Oh yeah. It's at the top of the YouTube there for sure. Yeah. 30, 60, 90 days to, to get the job. But then once you're in the job, take that 30, 60, 90 day plan, sit down with the manager and really figure out what their expectations are. So that way you can track, okay, um, let's take a sales role, for example. So in the first 30 days, I'm just supposed to get familiar with the software. I'm supposed to, you know, reach out to the 30 existing clients. But then by 90 days, you know, I should be having a plan on how I'm going to get new clients and hear the target list and here's the research that I've done. So, you know, that you can start landing new clients and, and all of those things come together Um, So absolutely one-on-ones with the hiring manager, really thinking about the 30, 60, 90 day plan with them, because they're going to, they're going to be the ones who know what to expect. And sometimes you get in roles and don't have the best manager, but that's where those one-on-ones with other leaders come into play. So maybe it's the director and okay, so what is your expectation for this role? Um, What would you like to see come of it? So not only do you know what your manager is thinking, you know what you know, the manager above your manager is thinking and making sure it's aligned because sometimes it's not. And then you have to understand how to navigate that. Um, Collaborating with peers is is hugely beneficial to ensure your success because if it's in a similar role, then they may be able to help guide you in ways so you can pick up steam quicker. Um, I think like within the first 30 days, you don't have to worry about jumping in um, and start producing results. But, you know, that that 60 day marker, you should start to make something happen. How do you feel about it? Yeah, I definitely agree. I think the 30, 60, 90 is such a great idea uh, for you to have personally, for you to share with your manager, for you two to collaborate on. I think very often one of the sort of downfalls that people have is, they actually they go into a role and they think that they're supposed to do everything in the job description and they never ask questions. So they end up doing the wrong things because very often the job description is not what the actual job looks like. And so, <laughs> unfortunately, let's fix that. Hiring right. Manager. We should definitely fix that. Uh, but they're like Frankensteining these things from like other places. And if you don't actually know what the expectations are, then you're going to end up doing a lot of work towards the wrong direction. And, and, and sometimes your manager is so overwhelmed and stressed that they're not going to set up the time with you for like, uh, you know, until they remember, which you don't want that to happen. And so. Until I, HR, like, uh, yeah. you didn't turn in their 90 day report. Oh my goodness. How horrible would that be? <laughs> and, and that for me, it's like, especially as we work more and more remote because of pandemic and everything like that, like, Um, one of the toughest things that I found when I started working remote was just like how difficult it was to have like those passerby conversations, the kind of like, let's all go get Boba together kind of thing. Like, I don't like Boba, but I went and like, (laughs) (laughs) but like, I remember when I would like 
I was remote for a company in California. And when every time I was out there, I got along with everyone really well. But when I got home, I felt like it was weird to set up meetings. Like it was weird to like set up time with people that didn't have a purpose. Uh, you know, you, you kind of like, hey, can we get on Zoom? Why? Oh, yeah. I don't know. I just wanted to get <laughs> just weird. Um, and so the nice thing was, though, that the managers at that company were like really good at setting up at saying like we want weekly or bi-weekly one-on-ones and it really sort of taught me how important those are uh when you're remote especially because if you're not having that time and i'm i was always someone who's you know i'm slightly anxious and i'm a little bit like too hyper focused sometimes and so i would like bust right into like here's my list and i would just start like check like running through my list of of updates and after a while i started to realize like I need to let this breathe a little bit when I start these calls. Like I need to like, like I see that they're trying to like connect and I'm not like allowing that room for connection. So I think slowing down a little bit and, and looking at like, what are we trying to do rather than frantically trying to do a bunch of things when we start, I think is really important. So having that plan, having that time with your manager. And then I, I don't know if I have like a great solution for, you know, consistently setting up time with coworkers when you're remote. I'm curious if you have ideas around that, but it tends to get a little bit tricky because then sometimes you'll be like, oh man, we're like doing this coffee again. Like we're having the same (laughs) conversation over and over again. I'm curious if you have thoughts around that. So I think with coworkers, like most people, like especially project managers, for example, sometimes you're touching base daily and it doesn't need to be daily small talk, right? But like when there's that attention, intentional um, weekly team meeting, one of the things that um, one of my clients does is every single meeting we start off, what are you grateful for? And so there was a lot of stress going around with various dy- dynamics of funding being cut and things of that nature. What are you grateful for? And you know, some people would be like, that the day is almost over. And I was like, you know, if that's all you got, that's all, that's you, all got. you got, <laughs> you know? Um, but as time went on, the, the norms started to be less of like a negative thing that you're grateful for and something genuinely deeper than that. And it was, well, I'm, you know, I'm, you know, really glad, um, Uh, my wife made an amazing dinner. And then that's when you can start taking down those notes. Oh, so-and-so's wife's name is this, and he really likes to eat that. So you can remember those things in the future. Well, I don't remember things like that. I write them down. (laughs) But like taking notes, like that's something people don't think about, right? Like I've, I've definitely missed out on those details before. And like that idea of just like, some people might think, oh, that's weird that I'm taking notes on my coworkers, right? But if it's for a positive interaction, if it's for more connection, like I even remember in my relationship when we first started going out, I started keeping like little notes of like things that they like and things that they might like. The holidays coming up. Right, right. You like that? Yeah. Oh, we saw that in the store six months ago. I should probably remember that, right? That'd be a fun thing to bring back around. So it's it. Mm -hmm. I think that's where people struggle is that they think a lot of networking and and personal connection things and they think it's creepy for some reason they think it's like unnatural if it doesn't come perfectly natural to me then i'm forcing it and if i'm forcing it that's not a good thing but any skill that you want to develop 
from like baking to just being a nice person is something that you kind of have to foster. Some people just learned it earlier and some people learn how to socialize later in life. But I mean, I love that you're saying like you're writing these things down, you're keeping notes, you're being intentional, let's just say about the interaction. And being intentional about uh, having that icebreaker because some meetings, like you said, just start off. And yeah, daily meetings, they should just start off with that. But sometimes having a weekly team meeting of where everybody, most organizations have that, where they have some type of weekly team meeting where everybody is, you know, debriefing or doing status updates or something. Just having a small little round table takes five minutes of, hey, what are you thankful for? Or what are you looking forward to? Or something, you know, typically on the more positive side, it makes a difference. It it builds that community. We interrupt today's episode to let you know about Career Therapy's Unstuck Coaching Program. If you're feeling paralyzed by job search procrastination and unsure of what to do next in your career, we're here to help. Each month as a member, you will get access to two one-on-one coaching calls, unlimited virtual chat with your coach via Slack, invitations to bi-weekly group coaching sessions, and lifetime access to our eight-part job search curriculum. Want to take your search to the next level? Head over to careertherapy.com and schedule a free 15-minute consultation to chat with me today and see if coaching is right for you. Now back to our show. In as far as, you know, being intentional about scheduling one-on-ones with leadership, it's easy. Okay, let's Um, with the immediate manager, let's have a monthly one-on-one. Let's just put it in the books as a reoccurring with, um, you know, leaders above your leader, you know, can, can we sit down quarterly and, you know, touch base and then just have that as a recurring and then just put it in there as a recurring, make friends with their assistants, their admins. Um, You know, I just got LinkedIn live and I'm, you know, reaching out to members of the community that I really value their, their approach and think that others could benefit from it. And I'm having to meet with their legal teams and their comp teams. And this all goes through their admins, all of this scheduling. Admins are godsend and they are the gatekeeper to the people that you eventually want to be in front of, make friends with them. And not because you want something from them, but because their job is really freaking hard and you should appreciate that. Like, the, and and understand and respect those boundaries and understand that that's how it works. Um, so it sounded shady at first, but you know, genuine, genuinely do. Right. I mean, admins are worth their weight in gold, and so um, you know, setting up those relationships and early in your career, it's really difficult to understand these dynamics of corporate. Once you're further along in your career, you just understand that this is just how it works. This is just how you go about it. And for people who haven't done these things in the past, this may seem like a foreign concept. And to a lot of really successful individuals, this is a foreign concept because they've never had to do this before. But our society is changing and relationships, authenticity, a vulnerability are becoming more and more important. It's organizations are realizing that people are important. And what do people care about? What I care about is different than what you care about. So you have to learn how others want to be treated, what other people find valuable. I mean, even just how people want to be recognized is different. Some people want shout out, you know, an all email blast shout out. And some people would much find it much more rewarding to have you personally come to their desk and just say, wow, congratulations. Thank you so much. This is huge. It 
the, a simple question like that. How do you like to show, how do you like to be appreciated? I mean, that's a game changer for people like, like leadership people. Yeah. It's, I like that you're talking about really looking at the individual and saying like, what do they appreciate? Right. Cause it is different for everyone. And if you're someone who wants to be appreciated, you should appreciate others, right? Like there is this yeah. sort of tit for tat. And like, I remember, I like that you're saying like it needs to be customized to some degree because companies don't always understand that. I think, especially with like weird onboarding practices and stuff, like uh, every job I've had, I've just been kind of thrown into the wolves. And I think that's a pretty common thing for most people. Um, yeah. And the onboarding is always these like, cheesy things that they have you doing like at the all hands meetings. And I think the worst one I ever had, um, I was, <laughs> I was out and I was out at the office and the owner of the company is there. And like, everyone is like the, every, every all hands, they kind of introduce all the new employees and they want you to get up and do a skill in front of everyone in the entire company and like do a, do oh, whatever sure. you're, yeah. And I was like, skill hobbies what I've been building a business for the past 10 years I have no hobbies outside of work I it's kind of my issue <laughs> I was like my issue is that I have no hobbies and I was like my hobbies are like I like to doodle and draw like what am I going to do draw goofy on the I don't this is weird and like and I remember getting up and I was doing improv classes at the time so I tried to do like an improv thing with the whole room which just bombed it was like I'm not I'm not an entertainer I don't know how to engage a room like that and so it sort of bombed and I heard the like owner of the company go, wow, we're really lowering the bar on, uh, on like talents or something. Oh, and I, gosh. I heard that and I was like, I like this company, so I'm going to stay here a while, but I don't like you and yep. I'm going to get, and if this company goes to shit, which most startups do, I'm going to relish it a little bit because <laughs> F this guy and like <laughs> that kind of stuff I think is so interesting because it's like, you can, you can really foster some odd environments when you kind of, when comp companies in particular put on these like showboaty ways of connecting people and like not really understanding what real connections are as a team, like mandatory happy hours. That was something in, in advertising. And it's like, I don't necessarily want to drink with all my coworkers every single day. Like this is ridiculous. Yeah. And like most people would end up crying at the happy hour because a client like berated them that day. And it's like, it, there's some weird stuff that happens in a lot of these team building sort of things. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of corporate cringe that people could talk about. But if you just back away from all of that for a minute and you just look at the people, at the company and try to make personal connections with them. Like regardless of all that weirdness, I had great connections with the people that I worked with and that's what kept me around. And it's like, it really does kind of come down to like, if you want to be respected, find the people that are also respectful and then you can all sort of connect with each other. And, and that builds these great foundations. Sorry, there's a bit of a tangent there, but it no, <laughs> kind of just struck me. Because it's so true. And this is great for leaders to think about as well. If you have some type of quirky policy like that, it it, it may not be fun for everyone. You might want to get some like engagement feedback on that. Um, you know, like you said, like the mandatory happy hours, it took me back to my recruiting days. And like people would leave and, you know, go to 
to lunch and cocktail and like I wasn't like at the time I was pregnant like I'm not drinking I'm <laughs> not drinking and I really can't work over very well <laughs> I was a little bit older than everybody when I started out in my recruiting days and so it's like gosh, you guys are all fresh out of college. Like I'm so past being up all night and then coming in the next day, just completely like sometimes even still hammered. I just, it's just not fun for me. And so it was really hard to connect with people because when you have like a really heavily, if you have a culture that is surrounded by booze all the time, like those mandatory happy hours, not everybody's into drinking and some people are recovering alcoholics and, and that may not be the the go-to every, I mean, it's no problem having a happy hour, but maybe not every week, maybe right. mix it up, mix not it up, likes the golf, maybe do something different. Not everybody has a cool hobby. Like it, there's, there's different ways to approach it. So it's more inclusive for a variety of types of people that will work at your organization. It just, and yeah. that again, coming back around to what you mentioned, it's like, really look at people as individuals, get to know who they are. Don't, you know, trying to just sort of figure out what is this landscape that I'm working in and how do I play this game? To put it kind of more, more structured, how do I play this game in a very structured way? But then also how do I get to, how do I enjoy being here every day? Cause a lot of times we can get really cynical too. We could be like, I don't want to have to do all these things. I just want to come in and do my work. Right. I don't um, even like people. <laughs> right. I do right. even really know them. Right. And it's there's not about checking a box. It's like so many people go, okay, check this box, check that like on their orientation. Right. Okay. I'm supposed to meet with this person and this person's going to go over security protocol with me. I love working with security people. They're such interesting people. If you're doing a security training as part of your onboarding, ask that, you know, the security director, Oh, how did you get into this industry? Do you have a military background? Do you have a, you know, like there's so many different things about it. And then, then when you get brought in that gate every day, or when you forget your badge, or, you know, when you're locked out of your computer or something like that, then you have those relationships with people. And that's, it's kind of like some people look at, I'm checking a box where, where other people I'm building relationships, the like Gallup, I love their surveys on workplace satisfaction. Do you have a best friend at work? And that is going to typically determine whether or not that person is going to stay at that organization and how productive those organizations are. So if you're not enjoying the people you work with, chances are you're not going to be happy at work, which trickles over to your home life. And what's worse than spending the majority of your life at work? just to hate work Mm -hmm. than to go home and hate home because you hate work. Like it's just, that doesn't make any sense to live life that way. Yeah. It can really tie you up. Right. And I think that there's like lots of different ways that people react to that. Right. Uh, Recently on the podcast, we had someone uh, who runs a blog called overemployed and his whole thing is like, don't show up 100% and have a second job. (laughs) And it's like a very different, uh, you know, sort of reaction to, you know, dissatisfaction with work and, and the, and the way things are. And so like, you could become one person won't work for the next. Exactly. And there's environments that are much more sterile, let's say, or much more independent, and they don't have all that team building environment stuff. And then there's ones that are heavily team environment and you kind of have to know, and different teams at different companies can have very different cultures. I think that's important to know too. Like people say, I want to work at Google. And it's like, Google's not one company. Google's like thousands of mini companies all brought together. 
And so yeah. you want to be a recruiter? Welcome to 80 hour weeks. You want to be an economist? <laughs> Woohoo! Finally, 40 hours. Exactly. And so as we kind of like look at the landscape, we can find out where we fit in. Now, I yeah. want to shift a little bit into um, away from like the environment and how to create a great environment around you and more so planning for your future. All right. So you get in the job. And you get to know everyone and you set up your one-on-ones and everything's going great. You got your 30, 60, 90. And then sometimes people just get to work and then six months pass, a year passes and they have the review and they go, now I want a promotion, but alas, they don't have the argument to back it up. Right. So I've seen a lot of encouragement to like track your successes and different things like that. What sort of um, advice have you given to folks about like how to how to, you know, monitor their work, track their work, or like prep for that future conversation about promotions or different things that are coming down the line? My answer may not be what people want to hear, but having been a reduction force case manager and worked with CHROs to understand who gets let go and to work with secession planners and things of that nature, the average employee is a mediocre employee. If you're doing what you're supposed to do, you're just meeting expectations. There's nothing um, above average about you. And that's hard to hear because we all take so much pride in our work, right? Uh, So if you're really wanting to move up in an organization, then you need to be intentional about doing more than just your job. So when you first start a job, just do your job, you know, get comfortable at it, get good at it. And when I say good, in the eyes of leadership, it's mediocre. You're doing what you're supposed to be doing, nothing above and beyond that. Now, once you get comfortable in your role, that's when I recommend um, taking on stretch assignments. Sometimes organizations call them talent sharing. Sometimes you need to get sponsorship from leadership to work on a side project. Um, And so that's what's going to set you apart from peers at work, these additional assignments that you're taking on above and beyond that. And being intentional that it's aware that this is an above and beyond your regular job. And so having those one-on-ones with your leader and saying, you know, how do you feel I'm doing? Okay, great. I'm, I'm out meeting your expectations. Now I want to take on more. Are there any projects I can help support you with? Is there anything going on at the organization that I might be able to volunteer for maybe, you know, like people in HR, you might want to take on a mentorship group. Uh, maybe in project management, it's mentoring a project coordinator. Um, there's so many different ways that you can go above this formally and informally to set yourself apart to um, have those increases in pay or title promotions um, when you're ready for them. So the organization, not all organizations invest in their talent like they used to because so many people change jobs nowadays. But if you can say like, hey, I'm really invested on taking on a side project. I'm managing my workload and I'm getting bored. So please give me something else to do, depending on what your personality is and what your relationship with that manager is. And then say, these are some things that I thought about. So instead of putting it up, so sometimes you can put it on them. Hey, how can I help you? But sometimes it's, hey, these are some things that I'm really interested in and some skills that I know I need to develop. So on your one-on-ones, I always like to bring a SWOT analysis and ask that leader, you know, what, what are my perceived weaknesses and what are some things I can do to work on them? So say strategy, for example, maybe that might be someone's weakness. 
getting on some more strategic projects where they can be mentored, where they can flex a little bit, get a little practice and not break anything. So the organization can learn to trust them to be able to give them additional formal responsibilities that come with those pay and um, pay and title increases. What about, what about you? What do you see, see work? Yeah, I love those suggestions. And I, I think, you know, that definitely would work. I think it was interesting how you called out that companies are less likely to invest in their employees sometimes because of the turnover. And a lot of times where the real money comes when people want to, you know, move up in their careers by changing companies. I actually just helped someone do that recently because they were like, I tried to kept, I kept trying to get promoted in my company, but uh, they, they removed the bonus structure and then implemented some absolutely asinine, just like, way of doing bonuses that would basically make it so that no one ever got a bonus. Um, and you'd have to stay there like five years to even see if you got a bonus. It was, you listen yeah. to this story and you're like, everyone's going to quit this company. This, this is insane. And like, yeah. um, but I do think that like, you know, the, that's what those one-on-ones are for to like continually say I've done this and then track it. And then I've done this and I tracked it. And like, if you don't track it, you won't be able to make the argument later. You're going to be like sitting there going, I just want more money. And they're going to go, well, what do you do? Cause they won't remember. Hell you probably don't remember. And like, exactly. We don't even remember. So how are we going to expect somebody else to remember? Exactly. And like, and that I think is really important if you want to move up in a company. And I think, um, you know, at the end of the day, we do live in a world of like four year stints, like that's kind of the average right now. And so some people don't really worry about it, but like, sometimes you, you want to be somewhere more than four years. Like, it's just, you want to have that longevity so you can get to know the industry. Well, right. If everyone is a two-year person, how is the company going to do well? If no one actually has been there long enough to see a trend. Um, Right. So there's a lot to it. And I think maybe we could probably do a whole episode together about like how to get promotions and how to negotiate that. Oh my gosh, um, absolutely. But gen- it does take a lot of work and it starts with these, it starts with, it starts when you start. I mean, like you said, the best time to plant a tree is five years ago or right now. And so if people hear this and are intentional about it, when they first start this new job, start, start planting these seeds when it comes time to um, having mastered your role and looking to take on more responsibility and then formally getting that next new role, you're more like you're, you're more likely to get it. I love it. I think that's a perfect spot to wrap. And so Tegan, <laughs> um, if folks want to learn more about your work and get in touch with you, where should they go? Yeah. So I'm most active on LinkedIn. So you can just look me up on LinkedIn, Tegan Bartos. Um, and I'm the founder of Jolt Your Career. And so either of those two um, pages on LinkedIn, you can find me. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. It was an absolute pleasure and a lot of great tidbits for the audience here. So everyone go check her out and uh, thank you so much for joining us. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this episode today. I really appreciate your support of what we're building here at Career Therapy as we continue to try and explore the hidden side of modern work and tell some of the stories that maybe don't get enough light shed on them. If you enjoyed what you listened to today, I hope you will leave us a review on iTunes. Uh, Subscribe to this wherever you're listening or watching on YouTube, Spotify, etc. And uh, share this with some friends who you know are going through similar experiences and looking to build 
their career and, and gain some insights along the way. Again, thank you so much for stopping by, and I wish you the best. I'll see you on the next episode.